0: Have you enjoyed it? I want to ask a question. Um, how many of you have ever heard a teaching specifically on the Holy Spirit before? Just specifically on the, the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, what the Holy Spirit is, what He brings to you? Most of us have. The reason why I, I felt we needed to go here several weeks ago was because We came out of Kingdom Mind Renewal. Y'all know that. We came out of talking about the mind. We came out of talking about how what you think about directs how you live. And what you set your mind on directs who you become. And so we were going there and that life that we're talking about living is a life in the spirit. Uh, Throughout the epistles, throughout the New Testament, you'll find that the apostles and Jesus himself was talking about living according to a different spirit than what's around us. Becoming out of what we see and what we feel and what we think about and and everything that surrounds us and conforming or being transformed on the inside to who we really are. Because remember we said this, that out salvation, your spirit is instantly changed on the spot. I mean, right then your spirit becomes new with God. You are made righteous in Christ Jesus. He has brought you into a position of being right, but we got a problem because the spirit man is surrounded by a soul realm. And what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, what you think about. It's your will. It's what you want to do, your desires. And it's your emotions, how you feel. And too many people in this world are led by what they think about. They're led by what they want to do, what their desires are. And they're led by their feelings. If I feel angry, then I'm going to be angry. If I feel sad, I'm going to be, if this person, you know, ticks me off, then I'm going to yell at him or scream at him or hit them. And people are led by these things. Instead of being led by the new spirit, the new nature that's within us. So that's why I felt impressed on us to go this route and to talk about this new life in the spirit. And so obviously we've been talking about the Holy Spirit when we first identified that he is a person. He is a person. He's not a feeling. He's not just a power. He's not just a presence or a, a sense. I sense the Holy Spirit. You can sense the Holy Spirit. You can feel His presence. You can feel Him. You can know His power. But sometimes we focus on that so much that we lose sight of the person. And we said this, that when you want to get to know a person, you what? You develop a relationship. And many people um, pursue a relationship with God. Many people want to get to know Jesus and who Jesus is, but we forget about the Holy Spirit and that he is a person. And not only that, but he is the person that is on earth with us now. Remember we said this, where is God? In heaven. Where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Where is the Holy Spirit? Here, on the earth. Jesus said, when I go, and it's better for you if I go, I'm going to send to you, in this realm where you're at, the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. The best way for you to draw closer to God is learn who the Holy Spirit is. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And He is God in you and God with you on this earth. So If you want to get to know God, you want to draw closer to God, you want to know what, how God thinks, you want to know what God feels, you want to know what God would do in a situation, get to know the Holy Spirit. Get to know how the Holy Spirit operates. Get to know uh, what the Holy Spirit has to offer to your life, and you'll find out the nature of God. You'll find out what God thinks. You'll find out how God feels about something. you find out what God would do in a specific arena, what He would do in a certain situation or a circumstance. Get to know the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're doing. I'm, there are gifts of the Spirit. There is power. Um, there are the other things of the Holy Spirit that we know. But how many of you know this, that the Holy Spirit these days um, can be associated with weirdness when people claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is what a lot of people... Uh, Believers and non-believers. This is how a lot of believers and non-believers view the Holy Spirit. As something coming upon someone that makes you do something without your control. And that's just not the case. Now, I will say this, that when the Holy Spirit comes on somebody, your spirit man understands everything that's going on. For example, if I speak a word and I say something that really hits your spirit man, you might find, and you may have already sensed this, you may find yourself saying amen or yes or whatever without even thinking about it. You know why? Because your spirit man on the inside just hooked up with what I just said and now is using your flesh, is using your mouth to get out the excitement. Understand this, that your spirit is unlimited, but it is housed in a flesh that is limited. So when your flesh... Uh, When your spirit man wants to try to express the excitement that it has about something, or when you start to get revelation or something, I mean, you get excited on the outside. There are times that I've run around the building in church. I'm not even lying to you. There's times where I've shouted at the top of my lungs. There's times where I've danced. There's times where I've uh, just done crazy things. And it's only because my flesh is limited in how it can express what the spirit is feeling on the inside. Okay? But For the Holy Spirit to be associated, and and there's such a weirdness that people have drawn back. That pastors are actually shying away from talking about the Holy Spirit because they don't want people to think that they're weird or their church is weird or great. Now if I talk about the Holy Spirit, they're going to think that we just run around the building all the time and, and just shake uncontrollably and fall on the floor rolling. I mean, these things happen. I've been to services where I've seen ridiculous things happen. And it's not to me to judge whether it was real or not, but I know this, that the Holy Spirit would never do something to you that would draw attention to you and take the attention off of what God is doing. If there's ever a question, ask yourself this. Is my attention on what's happening to that person, or is my attention on what God is doing in this building? And there are people that get so far drawn away and so far off in the Spirit that they direct the attention to themselves to where the pastor may be preaching and they may be off in the corner doing something crazy. Well, who who is everyone in the room? What are they looking at? The person in the corner doing the crazy stuff. They're not even listening to the pastor. They're not even listening to the man of God that has been put in a place to give a word that evening. So we have to be mindful of these things. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not, he hasn't come to overtake you and, and control you and, and make you do things that God wants you to do. And, and that, that's not why he came. And I hope so far that we've identified this. That first of all, the Holy Spirit was given to man at the very beginning, in Genesis. So man could fulfill his purpose in the earth. The only way that man could do his, to do God's will, to do the king's will in the earth, was to have a go-between, to have a communicator. Remember we said that heaven is the unseen realm and earth is the seen realm. Man could not see God. Adam could not see God. He had a relationship with him. He talked with him. It said that they walked together in the cool of the day in the garden. The The word says that in Genesis. But God, when he created man, breathed into him what? The breath of life. He breathed his spirit into him. So now Adam and Eve can go about the earth taking care and doing the things that God has set them to do. But when man sinned, now we've got a problem. Because God, who once was in man by his Holy Spirit, can't be. Because something else has come in and God and sin cannot coexist, cannot be together. So now God's got a dilemma. And in Genesis chapter 6, it says that he, he said between him, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, I, I can't strive with man forever. I've, I have to draw out of this thing. I have to pull my spirit. And the only way he could put his spirit upon somebody is if they were righteous, which means obedient to what God would say. And so we saw throughout the Old Testament many times that it would say that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Why was Gideon able to do what he did? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Why was Samson stronger than any man on the face of the planet? Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Samson, you know, we we have all these cartoons, and we have all these, you know, things as we grow up, and we see Samson as this big, huge, strong guy uh, that, you know, just made of muscle, just a block. But if the word is true, you actually wouldn't have even known that I mean, he was just a regular, normal guy. You wouldn't have even known that he had amazing strength. Because it said that his strength came from God. It was because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Why was Moses able to part a Red Sea? Why was he able to bring a million people out out of Egypt? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So God's looking on the earth. But God's plan, God's ultimate plan was to get his spirit back in man. So Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and contrary to what we believe, Jesus did not show up just to yank everybody up to heaven. Jesus did not just show up to say, uh, here I am, and I'm ready to take you out, because that was never God's plan. Never God's plan. Remember, we talked about restoration, and if I restore something, if, if I drop my Bible from this podium, and it falls to the ground, and I pick up my Bible and I place it on this chair, did I restore it? No, because I haven't put it back in its original place where it began. And Adam did not fall from heaven. Adam did not lose heaven. Adam did not lose access to heaven. He lost the earth and authority in the earth. And he handed over rulership to the enemy, to Satan. So Jesus came back to give that authority back to man. But what has to come out for the Holy Spirit to go back in man? Sin. So Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross to make man righteous to remove sin. Jesus made us righteous. Righteousness is just simply being in a position where God looks at you and says you have met every requirement. Remember we talked about the law a few, I guess a couple of months ago. And we were talking about how the law, the curse of the law in the Old Testament was that no one could keep it. God set this law to identify this is what sin looks like, this is what it looks like to disobey me, but he did not give man the power to keep it. So no matter how good man tried, no matter how hard man tried, man could never keep the law. They could never obey all of it. Jesus shows up, makes man righteous, and now God can look at his man and say, you meet all the requirements. You are now in right standing. You are now in a position where I can use you in the earth again. So what does he say? Let's look at it in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, this is quick review. But in John chapter 20, verse 1, this is Jesus talking with his disciples. He has just died on the cross, rose again from the grave. And in 21, he says, Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Just as. Exactly as, exactly as I have been sent in this earth, everything that I've done, I'm now sending you into the earth, out into the world to do it. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Why is he telling them to receive the Holy Spirit? He's saying you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Because I'm sending you to do the work that I did. And you, you cannot do it. You will not qualify. It cannot be done without receiving the Holy Spirit. Without receiving the Holy Spirit. So at this time, the disciples received the Holy Spirit within them. This was necessary. Jesus had to receive the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus was born of spirit. He was not born of flesh as you and I. We know that Mary was a virgin when she conceived him, and she conceived him by the Holy Spirit, which means that Jesus already had the Spirit dwelling within him at birth. But in John chapter 3, we see that uh, Jesus is led to John the Baptist. He's baptized, and when he came up, a dove ascends upon Jesus, and he receives the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, Jesus is 30 years old. Up to this point, Jesus has not done one miracle. If anyone ever asks, did Jesus ever do any miracles as a teenager? Did he ever heal somebody in his high school? Did he ever lay hands on somebody in his middle school? No, because he had not received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, at the age of 30, receives the Holy Spirit, and then he goes out and he does his first miracle, which was turning water into wine. And we say, what's the big deal with that? What's he doing? He's showing his authority over the earth, the authority that Adam lost. Now Jesus is showing, I have the power to make water whatever I want it to be. I have the power to tell a storm to stop and it will stop. I have the power to put down a fig tree. We always think of miracles and signs and wonders as healing the sick, raising the dead, uh, you know, casting out demons. But those were just as much miracles. What's he doing? He's showing, I have control on this earth. If that fig tree isn't bearing fruit, it's cursed. If we need that water to be wine, I'll make it wine. If we need to get to the other side so I can continue ministry and there's a storm trying to stop us, the storm has to stop. Very simple. So that is just as much a miracle as raising the dead or casting out a demon or healing someone's eyes or or giving a deaf person the ability to hear again. Those are just as much miracles. So Jesus shows up and starts doing these miracles and he didn't do anything Until he received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was a necessary requirement for man to fulfill his purpose. Is Jesus a man at this point? Yes. Jesus is a man. He's 100% God, but he's also 100% flesh. Don't try to get me to explain that to you. We can go all day long and it will still boggle your mind. But he is 100% God. He is the Son of God, but he is in the flesh. Which means he is bound by limitations in a flesh suit but he just never gave in, just never gave in to those limitations, never gave in to sin. Okay, so that's what we got to last week. And then last week, we started opening up, and I talked about the Holy Spirit within. First, we identify that there are two types of filling of the Holy Spirit. The first is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit coming within somebody. And as we saw in John chapter 20, the disciples, he went to them, and said, I'm sending you into the earth. You have a purpose. And now receive the Holy Spirit. When someone receives the Holy Spirit for the first time, it's at salvation. The point of salvation. And this is why you receive the point at salvation to enable you to live out the new character and the new life that's within you. The Holy Spirit is given to someone at salvation to enable them to live out good character, to simply do the right thing. So now the Holy Spirit has been given to us at salvation because your spirit's been made new, but again, what's on the outside locking it all in? Your flesh and your soul. So the Holy Spirit is given to you at salvation, so you no longer have to be led by your mind. You no longer have to be led by your desires and what you want to do. You no longer have to be led by your feelings. When someone cusses you out instead of hitting them in the face, you can forgive them. When someone uh, is getting on your nerves, you can be patient with them. When you don't feel like having self-control, you can have self-control. This is why the Holy Spirit's been given to you at salvation. Because you have a new creation on the inside. you got a new life. you got a whole new person in there. And before salvation, you couldn't help but hit the person in the face. You couldn't help but yell back. You couldn't help but uh, cheat and steal and do all the things that we did that the God of this world had control of. Now, our new creation's on the inside, and you have a Holy Spirit coming alongside. Isn't that good to know you got a helper? Isn't it good to know you got someone else with you that's coming alongside you? If you ever try to, you can never say, I'm alone in this thing, because you're not. And there are people that God places around us. Uh, You've given pastors, you've given mentors, you've given instructors. But thank God, none of that supersedes the Holy Spirit who is living inside us and with us, all the time. All the time. So, you know, if, if you if you have trouble with self-control, you just start confessing, no, I have the Holy Spirit in my life, and He helps me have self-control. If you ever start feeling sad and worried and anxious about things, you just say, no, the Holy Spirit's in my life, and He's here to give me joy. He's here to give me peace. He's here to give me life. Amen. Start requesting those things. Start uh, confessing those things over your life. There is no reason why any believer should be faltering back to a world system. That's just simply a digression. It's simply going backwards because we now have the ability. We have the Holy Spirit living inside us. So that's what we looked at last week. This week, I want to uh, quickly get into the Holy Spirit upon. Now again, um, as I said last week, I'm laying foundation I'm not going to get real deep. I'm going to address some things. If you've got questions, we will get to it at the end. But there are, uh, I'm laying a foundation because the first thing I want to get to before we start talking about power and gifts and, and, and tongues and interpretation of tongues and all these different things, the first thing I want to get to is a life in the Spirit. Because all that stuff means nothing if you can't have right character. All of that, I don't care how spiritual you want to look in here. I don't care how loud how loud you can shout and praise and, and uh, how many prophecies you can give and how many times you're given a word of knowledge. I don't care if you can't get out in the world and live like a son of God and you still look like the devil out there. That doesn't help anybody. And I know people. The reason why I have such a boldness about this is because I know people that I went to church with for years. And I'm thinking, man, they're as spiritual as spiritual gets. I mean, they're giving... Tongues and interpretation, they're praying for people, they're preaching and teaching. I mean, just gifts out of the wazoo, just showing up in church and doing it. But then you, you see them, and time always bears the fruit. And even when there's a question, it's like, well, man, I, know that's, I know that's not of the Spirit, but they say they're being led by the Spirit. I know they're a spiritual person. I know that they have God working through them. Why isn't he living in them? But then things things just start showing up, and it's like, yeah, you're, you're not led by the Holy Spirit at all. I've got word on it all day long that you're not being led by the Spirit. I don't care how spiritual you look. I don't care how loud you can shout. I don't care about any of that stuff. We need to have right character. So I am going to hit on this briefly tonight and talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon someone because there is a difference between the Holy Spirit coming within and the Holy Spirit coming upon so let's get started with this um we saw in john chapter 21 that the disciples received the holy spirit within them but look at this in luke chapter 24 luke chapter 24 the disciples have just had a conversation with jesus and he said receive the holy spirit does jesus ever say anything that didn't happen is he a liar Okay, we should have nose across the board. Jesus never said anything that didn't happen. So they received the Holy Spirit when that took place. But look at this in verse 49 of chapter 24 of Luke. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But tarry, that means wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high so he's just told them receive ye the Holy Spirit they received the Holy Spirit he breathed on them if you haven't already made the connection that same breathing on them takes you right back to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 when God breathed into Adam same thing Holy Spirit has come inside God's spirit has come inside them but now he's telling them to go to Jerusalem and wait wait for what Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1. Just to throw this out there, the author of Luke is Luke. The author of Acts is Luke. Same guy. So it makes sense that he's recounting the same thing twice. Look at this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples once again. He's still on the earth. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit shall. That's future. That means will. That means it has not happened yet. Okay? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we, we see here two accounts where Jesus, after saying, Receive the Holy Spirit, and the disciples have received the Holy Spirit within them, is now telling them to go wait for the same Holy Spirit. So there must be a difference. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see that now the Holy Spirit has come and filled them, has come upon them. But I thought the Holy Spirit came on them when Jesus said, Receive the Holy Spirit and breathe on them. So apparently we've got two separate instances. The first, I said, "The Holy Spirit comes within you at the point of salvation, and he comes within you to enable you to live out the new nature that's on the inside of you." Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. "You are now a new creation. Old things passed away, all things become new." So now, to live out the new nature that's on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit has come on the inside of us. And enables you to live that out. But now we see a second instance of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone. This is not the Holy Spirit coming upon you to control your life. This is not the Holy Spirit coming upon you to make make an embarrassment out of you and and make you shout and yell and roll and dance and and laugh and fly and, and all the other funny things that people talk about the Holy Spirit these days. This is the Holy Spirit coming upon someone. To do the work and ministry of the kingdom. I said that Jesus, when he was born, because he was born of the Spirit, lived according to the Spirit. Up until the age 30, the word says that Jesus was a man who knew no sin. Not after age 30, since he was born. Because he had the Holy Spirit living within him and kept him from doing wrong. So he had the Holy Spirit within him, enabling him to live according to the nature and the character of the kingdom of God. He was nice to his parents. He obeyed them. He honored his parents. Uh, When he went to school, he obeyed his teachers. He never made fun of anybody. He just had good character. Didn't lie, didn't cheat, didn't steal. Didn't do these things. Okay? But at the age 30, now he's receiving the Holy Spirit upon his life. To do what? The work and ministry of the kingdom. And he did not do a miracle. He did not do a sign. He did not do a wonder. Notice, he did not even preach the kingdom until he received the Holy Spirit. He did not even preach. He did not even talk about it to people. Now, there was an instance when he was 12 years old that he was going through the scripture and enlightening the scripture to him. But it was not with a kingdom lens. He was not telling people, this is why I'm here. Because they didn't know. They didn't even know who he was. They didn't perceive who he was at the age 12. But now, when Jesus receives the Holy Spirit upon him, the first thing he does, the first thing the Holy Spirit leads him to do, is go to the wilderness and be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And as soon as he gets out of the wilderness... He shows up, and what does he start saying? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Repent, change your thinking, for the kingdom is here. Then he began doing signs and wonders. We know the word says that he went about all all the areas, healing all that were sick, all that were lame, casting out all the devils. I mean, he was just going crazy with it. Why? Why? Because he now had the in, the Holy Spirit empowering, the Holy Spirit within enables you to live according to the character and nature of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit upon empowers you to do the work and the ministry of the kingdom. Enables you to preach the kingdom with boldness. Now, when I say preach, I don't mean grab grab a microphone, get up here, and start shouting at people. I mean you can preach. The word preach simply means proclaim. So you can go to your work and proclaim. You can go to your family reunions and proclaim. You can go to your schools and proclaim. Now let's look at the effect of the Holy Spirit because something changed. For those of you that don't know, the disciples were a very quirky bunch. Very weird people. I mean, if Jesus knew how to pick a man, he sure didn't show it with the disciples. Uh, he He wasn't picking people that looked like leadership. I mean, you got... Two brothers fighting over who's going to get to sit next to Jesus in the throne room. You got a tax collector, Matthew. Uh, you got Peter, who's the biggest mess of them all. I mean, he's ripping his clothes off. He's jumping out of boats. He's starting arguments with the disciples. Uh, he's cutting guys' ears off. I mean, just crazy stuff. He picked a crazy bunch of people. But look what it says over here. And um, let's see, I'm going to have to skip ahead where we want to go here. Acts chapter 4. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We'll get to it a little bit later, but on the day of Pentecost, that was actually only the beginning that I read. They began to speak in other tongues. Let Let me camp here real quick so I can bring some clarity to tongues. Tongues is the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, when tongues took place here, first of all, notice that it said a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. So there was not actually a rushing mighty wind. It just sounded like it. Notice there that they saw something that was as of tongues of fire, so there was not literal fire on their heads when the Holy Spirit came. Now you say, why is there such a big deal? This is the first instance that the Holy Spirit is, I mean, think about it, God has been waiting for this moment for years, centuries, millenniums, I mean, thousands of years have gone by since he's been able to put his Holy Spirit inside someone. I don't know about you, but I think he's going to make a pretty big deal. Now, tongues of fire and the sound of mighty rushing wind, that only occurred the first time. But there was something else that happened every time someone was filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. Now, on this initial date, the disciples were talking in languages that were actually of regions around them. And there were all kinds of people from other regions outside the house where they were. And they all heard them, if you look further on down, they all heard them talking in their own language. But, the Bible does talk about talking in an unknown tongue, or the tongue of angels. It's called a heavenly language. That's all that tongues is. It's nothing weird. It's it's nothing to get quirky about. In fact, uh, I know for myself, uh, it is the most amazing thing that operates in my life today is being able to speak in tongues and speak in the Holy Spirit, period. Of, of anything that, that the Lord has placed on my life, any power, any anointing, speaking in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues is the most awesome thing. When I'm talking in tongues, I'm talking directly to God. No one else can understand me, not even the devil. Amen. Not even the devil. He has no clue what I'm saying. You want to keep a secret from the devil? Speak in tongues. In fact, the Bible says that not, you don't even know. It says for you, it's not even profitable. I could sit here and speak in tongues and it wouldn't do a thing for me. It wouldn't do a thing for you. But you're talking to God. And remember, you're a spirit being. You're a spirit being. So your spirit, through the Holy Spirit, is talking to God. And now you're getting stuff done in a spirit realm, in an unseen realm that you can't even see, and you don't even know. I know there was one story of uh, Kenneth E. Hagin, awesome man of God that I grew up hearing, and he since uh, has passed and gone on to be with the Lord. Um, But he told a story once that one night he was just woken up and just felt an urge to pray in the spirit. And so he prayed in tongues for a long time, several hours, just praying until he felt a release. That's called supplication. Supplicating, uh, the Bible talks about supplication. That's just when you pray and you pray and you pray until you feel you get the release on the inside, till you know, we've got it cleared, I can go on. He found out the next day that his brother had been in a terrible accident, fallen off a ladder, and should have died and didn't. So he instantly knew why. It was right around the time that he was woken up, and he instantly knew that's why I was praying. What was he doing? He was praying... For something, the Bible says, and we'll look at it as we get in, we're going to go through this stuff. I'm not skipping stuff just because people might think it's weird. We're going to hit it all. We're going to hit the good stuff with the weird stuff, and we're going to hit the stuff that the Holy Spirit messes with that you don't want him to mess with. We're going to hit and nail it all, okay? But uh, the Word says that when you pray in tongues, you pray in an unknown tongue, and it's not profitable to you, to your flesh at the time. You don't know what's going on. But he does say that he helps us in our weakness. What's your weakness? What you don't know. Your weakness is always what you don't know. If there's something that I don't know, I'm going to be weak in that area. Period. So he helps us in what we don't know. And it says that when you don't know what to pray anymore, you can rely on, there's that helper. God, I've run out of words. I don't know any other way to express this to you. I don't know any other way to explain this. I don't know any other way to request this and bring this petition to you. So I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. And now he's going to pick it up for me, and he's going to pray. And he's going to pray directly in line with the will of the Father. That's tongues. Tongues is evidence. Tongues is simply that. It's the proof. So can you receive the Holy Spirit uh, upon you? Without tongues? No. It is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is upon your life. And it is necessary to complete the work and complete the assignment. Here's another question. Is tongues or is the Holy Spirit for everybody? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says that God shows no impartiality. He doesn't uh, reserve anything for one person and not for another. We know that gifts of the spirit are given out as the holy spirit wills, but the holy spirit himself coming upon you to do the work of the ministry is for everybody. Let's let's go there. I've actually that's going to get me back in line with where I was. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. And then we'll get into the effects of the holy spirit coming upon someone because they are evident and not weird. Not weird. Let's just go ahead and get rid of that Completely. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Is the Holy Spirit for everyone? Absolutely. This is Peter talking. This is the same chapter. Chapter 1, the Holy Spirit comes upon. There's all these people outside the house, and now Peter just opens up. Uh, Peter, who was the guy that denied Jesus three times, uh, you know, he was always bold and brash, but never tactful. He was, had the least tact of anybody. But now look at this, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He's preaching now, and he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized. He's not picking he's not picking them out. He says, every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift. It's a gift. He is a gift. Of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Well, is he calling everybody? We already know the word says that he desires that none perish, not one. Not even one. Okay? So right there we see Peter saying, this thing is for everybody. This isn't just for us. This isn't isn't a showy thing. This isn't to say, look what we got and what you don't have. It's for everybody. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Is the Holy Spirit for everybody? Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem... Heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now here's a little side note. Samaria. How many of you remember the story of the woman at the well? The woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. Jesus was in the area, but Jesus was a Jew. Jesus was Jewish. Jews and Samaritans had no doings, no agreements. They didn't work. They didn't do business together. They didn't even talk to each other. I mean, they didn't talk to each other on the side of the road. They didn't acknowledge anybody. So if anybody's going to be left out of this thing, it'd been the Samaritans. Because the Jews are God's people. That's God's nation. And now we're seeing that even the Samaritans are receiving the Holy Spirit. Let's look at one more. These these situations are in here for a specific purpose. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Now we're dealing with another group of people called the Gentiles. The Gentiles are not God's people. They are not Jews. They are not Jewish. So these are not God's people. And so we have an instance here where we have a man named Cornelius, and he has a dream that he needs to send for a guy named Peter, who we all know is the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter. And in this dream, he's supposed to call for them so that him and his household can receive the Holy Spirit. Peter has a dream. And in this dream, there's a cloth that comes down and has all kinds of animals in it. And Jesus shows up and says, take and eat. Only problem was, they were unclean animals. He's not supposed to touch them. And he says, Lord, I can't eat this. Let's look at it in, uh, verse uh, 36, 34. 10 verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So here he is showing Peter is already, he's now at Cornelius' house. They've already had these dreams. I actually got ahead of myself there. Peter had the dream, had the vision. The cloth comes down, unclean animals in it. The Lord says, eat. And Jesus, and he looks at Jesus and says, I can't eat that, it's unclean. And the Lord says, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Do not call common or uncommon what I have called common. What's he saying? I'm about to send you to a people that to you, you don't believe can receive what I'm handing out. But I'm telling you right now that what I'm handing out through you, the Holy Spirit, is for everyone. And it's not your call to decide who's clean and who's not. It's not your place to judge who can receive and who can't. What's he doing? He's preparing Peter because Peter he's going to have some hesitation about just showing up at a Gentile's house, Cornelius and saying receive the Holy Spirit. Because at This time, this thing's for Jews. This is for God's people. So look at this. Uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 44. This is the end. Peter goes on this whole I mean, he preaches. He goes ahead and tells them the story of Jesus, who he is, what he's done. In verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Look at this in verse 45. And those of the circumcision, that means the Jews, that means God's people, that was the covenant that he made, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, is the Holy Spirit, is tongues for everybody? Absolutely. There is not a a picking and a choosing. Well, I don't believe it's for me. Uh, You can't pull that. It's up to you whether you decide to yield to the holy spirit now i tell you there is a yielding there is a yielding i've prayed for people that i know they received the holy spirit but they didn't they wouldn't they wouldn't let it go they wouldn't speak because again it's the spirit inside of you using your flesh and so you have the choice i'm going to keep my mouth shut and i'm not going to say anything i'm not i'm, I'm not going to yield you can do that with a healing there's a story of a lady i, I think it was uh, brother hagen again Kenneth hagen Uh, was praying for a lady in a wheelchair. And she actually, the the Holy Spirit came upon her to heal her. She actually started rising out of the wheelchair. And she grabbed the wheelchair and yanked herself back down into the chair and said, I will die in this wheelchair. What did she do? She did not yield. I mean, look, there are things you have to battle in ministry like this. She may have been comfortable in the wheelchair. She may have enjoyed, uh, you know, being handicapped and not being able to, who knows? But for whatever reason, she was dead set on, I will stay here. I will not come up. I will not grab, the, grab a hold of this. And she did. So just as easily as you cannot yield to a healing or a miracle, you cannot yield to the Holy Spirit. But, man, when you yield and that evidence starts showing up and you start growing in that, it's awesome. i tell you right now, you won't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus preached the gospel of Jesus. Amen. But yet, that's what most churches preach, the gospel of Jesus. So, when they get Jesus, they stop at Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, getting Jesus is just the beginning. Amen. There is a gift that's waiting for you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is a power that's waiting for you to come upon you, so you can do the works of Jesus. So many people are content and comfortable and happy with receiving Jesus in their life and having a satisf- satisfaction that one day I will be in heaven with Him. But that's just not what God wanted. That's just not the. That's the, That's just the beginning. And many people are stuck at the cross. Take me to the cross. Lead me to the cross. Lead me to the cross. But that's an open door. Jesus called himself the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. No one can enter but through the door. So let's get to the doorway. Let's go through the door. And let's take a hold of the kingdom. But to take a hold of the kingdom and fulfill your assignment, see, now that's where people get thrown off. Well, I have an assignment? Surprise. This thing with... Being a Christian isn't just being in the world and I know I'm going to heaven, I don't know about you. Even Adam and Eve had assignments. We paint this picture of Adam and Eve that they're in a garden and it's paradise, right? And they're just laying in the grass naked, rolling around and just having a good old time, eating fruit and doing the whole thing. That's the picture we think. When we don't think about, he said, to cultivate the earth. He said to tend the garden and keep it. He said to be fruitful and multiply. These were assignments. That's the kingdom of God. So to fulfill that assignment and to know God's will and purpose, they had to have the Spirit of God living in them. And now we've been restored back to that. Effects of the Holy Spirit. Real quick. John chapter 14, verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. Remember we started with John. And we looked at 14, 15, and 16, these three chapters. And we said that this was the end of Jesus' ministry with his disciples. This was the Last Supper. And we know that when someone knows that this is their last words, what do they do? They put more emphasis. They're going to tell you the most important thing. Not just shooting the breeze here. He's not just saying, well, you know, let's just make conversation. No, he knows, he has an intent on what he's talking about. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, John chapter 14, verse 12, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. So there's the assignment. Do the works of Jesus. That doesn't mean... Walk around and be nice to people and have compassion and sympathy for people and be kind and generous. That means raise the sick, heal, or raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, uh, operate in authority over the earth. That's what those are the works of Jesus. Okay? So, to do that, you must receive the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at what happened to the disciples. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking by a gate on the way to the temple, and they see a lame man. And now they have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that Jesus said you would receive, the power. So now when they walk by this lame man, they're not thinking, Oh, a lame man, poor guy. They're thinking like Jesus did. All of a sudden, their thinking has changed. You look in the Gospels, there were times where his disciples couldn't heal nobody. <laughs> I mean, they're thinking, okay, hey, if we can't get Jesus, we'll get his followers. Sure, they should be able to do something. And then they end up having to go to Jesus and saying, can you do something? Because your disciples ain't doing jack over here. They, they ain't healing nobody, they ain't casting any demons out. We need some help. But now, all of a sudden, Peter and John show up in Acts chapter 3 and heal a lame man. They tell him, hey, we don't have any silver and gold like you're looking for, but we do have something else. And instead of giving you a temporary fix for your problem, let's just fix the problem. And they raise him up, and he goes out into the temple leaping and praising God. We know the whole thing. Well, guess what? There were some people that had a problem with that. And they're thinking, wait a minute. We put Jesus to death. He's gone so we could get rid of this riot. And now we've got two more people that are doing the same thing he's doing. So they arrest him. They arrest Peter and John. And let's see, where do I want to go first? <clears throat> Acts chapter 4. Where do we want to go first here? My, uh, I could not get my stuff on my iPad, so I'm having to use paper today. I'm not real familiar with it. Um, It's been a while. (laughs) I'm having to use a paper pad instead of a, yeah, it does feel strange. I'm used to just scrolling and getting to where I want to go. Uh, Let's go to verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. How many of you want people to say that about you? I want people to say that. I want to walk into Walmart and say, he's been with Jesus. And not because I'm glowing, not because I'm talking really loud in weird languages, Not because I'm just laying hands on anything that's moving. Just because of my boldness. And look at this. Uneducated and untrained men. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, he will do away with your limitations. Now that's good news. There is no lack of schooling that can hold you back. No lack of knowledge that can keep you down. There's no lack of skill and resource. The Holy Spirit comes alongside to aid you and help you and help you get to where you need to be, regardless of what your past. There's no past that can hold you down. There's no family situation that can keep you from getting to where you need to go. There's no way that your parents treated you or what people said about you when you were a kid or Uh, what happened when you were a teenager or what you did when you went to college. Nothing can keep you down. The Holy Spirit will go beyond that. I've said before, you know, I I taught a class down in our uh, Bible school in St. Augustine, and we had some uh, people in there that just, you know, either had been years since they were in school. We had one guy that didn't make it past the 10th grade in high school, and he's concerned. He's concerned. I mean, he's coming to me. I was one of the first classes out the gate. And I told him, I said, is the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Well, yeah. Well, guess what? He's there to aid you and help you and help you make up for everything that you lack. The Holy Spirit will take you beyond your natural limitations. He'll take you beyond your physical abilities. I don't care how well. I don't care if you can write an outline with the best of them or if you can't write your own name. The Holy Spirit will take you and get you to where you need to be because you're doing this for His purpose, for God's purpose. Amen? Uh, let's go on down just a little bit further here. So first thing we see is they received boldness, and they went beyond their physical uh, limitations. Verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that later. So, Jesus says, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he tells them to go wait in Jerusalem and receive the Holy Spirit with the power. Now, we're here two chapters later and they're still receiving the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that. There is a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. Boldness. So, boldness. The Holy Spirit gets you... uh, beyond your natural abilities he will help you without raising your hand how many of you have ever felt it's just been hard to communicate the gospel just to communicate the word and just talk to someone i mean i i know i know it's real i know god's real i know the word is real but man sometimes i just get in conversation i just he gives you clarity and he helps you speak with clarity and he helps you speak with boldness like you actually know what you're saying boldness helps Boldness helps, and you know what comes with boldness is knowledge. And again, the Holy Spirit, he makes up for what you don't know. He'll pick up. Okay? Remember he's, we said that uh, he'll bring all things to remembrance. There's actually one point when Jesus, with his, Jesus was with his disciples. And he said, when you get out in the world and when I'm gone and people try to talk to you and people try to stray you away and get you to turn away, don't worry about what you will say. Because the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say when it's time. And we just saw that bear fruit. We just saw that. In fact, they told those men, Funniest thing, they said, well, we can't arrest them because if we do, there's just going to be a huge riot and uproar. So they just gave them a stern warning and said, do not preach in the name of Jesus. And their response there in Acts chapter 4 was, uh, sorry, we can't do anything but preach in the name of Jesus. Now, this is Peter and John, who in John chapter 20, after Jesus had died, were locked up in a house somewhere in fear, to the point where Jesus, when he showed up, had to just walk through the wall. Same guys. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the effect of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Verse 33. Verse 33. And with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He will help you and enhance your witness. We all want to be witness. I want to be a good witness. This is how you do it. The Holy Spirit with great power and great grace was upon them all. Now look at this. In Acts chapter 6, real quick, last two passages, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, we are introduced to a man. Let's start with verse 3. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, here are the qualifications, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The, the disciples were uh, in a position where they were feeding widows. They were supplying food to widows. But it was pulling them away from just study of the Word and prayer and ministry of the Word. So they said, let's find seven guys to do this. Now, they're just feeding people. I don't care what you end up doing in this church. The Holy Spirit is a requirement because it was a requirement to feed old ladies. I don't care if you're working in the children's. I don't care if you're on the stage. I don't care if you're running sound. I don't care if you're ushering a greeting. Full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That they have good character. That the Holy Spirit is identified within them. When you're full of something, people know it. Okay? So this was a requirement. This was a requirement. We'll leave leave that where it was. And we'll keep on going. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, and it goes on. But here's a name that I want you to, uh, want you to look at here. Philip is in here. I couldn't see it in my Bible. There it is. And Philip. We're going to look at that man, Philip, in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. So, Philip is a man filled with the Holy Spirit. So, let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Let's look at what happens here in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles, he did. Another effect of the Holy Spirit is signs and wonders following you. Signs and wonders following you where you go. It says that signs and, follow, uh, signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. And that's what we have here. But Philip was first a man full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what equipped him to do the work. Of the kingdom. That's kingdom work. You notice here that these disciples, once they receive the Holy Spirit, are starting to look like a man that we saw in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Pretty much identical. In fact, everything that Jesus did, you can see them do. You'll see them do in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is showing that mankind can do what Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything except die on a cross. And that was simply because that was his assignment in the earth. You know, Jesus couldn't have even died on the cross without the Holy Spirit. That was necessary for his assignment, for his purpose. Uh, Verse 12. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, and in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. The signs and wonders are what cause people to believe in God. They want to know if what you're talking about is really real. They want to know, are you all talk or is this a real thing for you? And that's what these signs and wonders were. These signs and wonders brought people to salvation. These signs and wonders brought people into the kingdom. And they were full of the Holy Spirit. It gave them power. It gave them boldness. It allowed them to preach and proclaim the gospel with clarity. With clarity. Where you have knowledge on what you're talking about. You have wisdom. You say things that, hey, I didn't even know I was going to say that, but the Holy Spirit gave it to me. This is what the Holy Spirit, this is the effect of the Holy Spirit upon someone. The Holy Spirit within you is to help you and enable you to live the new nature that's inside of you, to have right character. But the Holy Spirit upon you enables you to preach and proclaim and show the power of the kingdom. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't do it until he received the Holy Spirit upon him. The disciples didn't do it until they received the Holy Spirit upon them, and neither will we. They are both necessary. They are both for everybody. Just as much as salvation is for everybody, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. And the evidence is the speaking in tongues, and we will get to that later on. There's more to say about that. You notice here, and you know, I haven't given an altar call at this point. And I'm not going to tonight. If you have questions, you are, uh, feel free more than able. You can come ask me questions. I can answer questions. But there's more that I know the Holy Spirit wants me to say. There's things that he wants me to continue to identify. But you know, you won't find an altar call in the Bible. In fact, you'll find what I call an altar run. And we just saw several passages where as the word was being preached. People came running. People came. They would stop them in the middle of their sentence and say, what do I need to do to be saved? Those were their words. I mean, you look at Paul and Silas after they were beaten, and the jailer, ready to kill himself, went to Paul and Silas and said, we, I just saw everything you did. What do I have to do to receive that? You look on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came into the kingdom in one day. Three thousand people that created the church. And not one of them said, Peter, John, not one of the disciples said, Alright, we're going to give an altar call. If you want to come into the kingdom, if you want to be saved, if you want to make Lord if you want to make Jesus your Lord, then come on down. You won't find it. None of them said, If you want to come down for the Holy Spirit and you want us to pray for you, then that was it was so hungry. They were so thirsty. They wanted it so bad that they went in. You know, when you think about people, when you think about the kingdom of God as a nation, when you think about people that are trying to get in America, they're doing everything they can to get in here. You got people crossing borders. You got people building rafts. You got people uh, swimming and climbing and and doing all kinds of crazy stuff to get into America. Why? Because they think there's a better life here. Well, Why would it be any different for the kingdom of God? Amen. Why would it be any different for his nation? And I, I long for the day that I preach, that I preach the kingdom so strong that people just come running. And we've had it happen in services, where people just come down to the altar just to give their life to the Lord. When there was no altar call, in the middle of somebody preaching, they want it that bad. You won't find the altar call in the Bible. And I, and I long for the day that that happens. And so I haven't given an altar call. I'm not waiting for anybody to do that. The, I, we will. I'm not saying altar calls are wrong. You can make a call for, those, for people to come into the kingdom. You can do that. But I long for the day where the hunger and the thirst to have what God wants us to have, it's so strong that people just, they desire it and they go after it. Amen? And I think we'll see that. Father, we thank you this evening.